Uh, thank you very much. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the February 14th, 2023 meeting of the Milton Conservation Commission. The commission members are appointed by the select board in order to implement the rules and regulations of the State Wetlands Protection Act and the Milton Town Bylaw governing the wetlands. Uh, two matters of formality. The first is we're in a public session of an open meeting law. So we invite everyone to speak, ask questions, make comments. But we do ask that you identify yourself because a record is being kept. And the second matter of formality, we introduce ourselves. My name is John Kiernan. And I'll just go through, I'll scroll through the one I'm looking at. Hans, can you go next? Hans Finlingen. Arthur. Alvin Doyle, member. Wendy. Good evening. I'm Wendy Garpo. Ingrid. Ingrid Bating. Uh, Todd. Todd Hamilton, member. Right. I don't see Tom Palmer, but uh, I, I expect him to join us. But we have our quorum, so we're underway. Before we begin, I'd like to go through the agenda because some members of the public may be waiting for an agenda item that may in fact have been continued. So if you look at your agenda, number five, nine Myers Lane at the request of the applicant has been continued until March 14th. Number six on the agenda, 175 Governor Stoughton uh, Lane is continued at the request of the applicant until June of 2023. Uh, number seven and eight, both at 1259 Brush Hill Road, lot C and lot D have been continued at the request of the applicant until March 14th. Number nine on the agenda is 648-652 uh, Canton Avenue at the request of the applicant. That uh, matter has been continued until March 14th as well. Under additional business, Number 10, uh, we were going to address uh, under additional business, uh, at, at least talk about the fact that we're going to have an extra meeting <clears throat> this month uh, to hear from the school building committee uh, and they will address their proposed uh, land swap in order to accommodate a new building in the area of Guile Road. There has been in compliance with the open meeting law, a publication of that meeting which will be tomorrow night via Zoom, and it will be at 5 p.m. tomorrow. There will be a presentation by the School Building Committee, and we will meet, we, the Conservation Commission, will meet in public session. The public is invited to listen in, participate, to ask questions, or, or make comments. Uh, that will be tomorrow. So I put that under the additional business, not to exclude other items that we might address later tonight. So with that said, if, if anybody were waiting, uh, was waiting for uh, one of those items to come up, uh, I've announced the continuances. So we will go to number one on the agenda, which is the uh, uh, Edge Hill Road, Collicott and Cunningham area. And the applicant is the town of Milton. And I'm not sure who's presenting. Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Johnson. I had expected Marina Fernandez to the town engineer to also be here to represent this project, but I'm happy to jump in um, while we wait for her because she's not here right now. So <laughs> you can start if you could just give us a, a brief uh, overview. Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Jennifer Johnson. I'm a professional civil engineer with Niche Engineering in Boston, and we've been supporting uh, the town of Milton on this new stormwater retrofit project, which is located behind um, Cunningham and Collicott schools on Edge Hill Road, 80 Edge Hill Road. 
Um, so what our plan was for this evening was to provide you with a, a general overview of the project and answer any questions. Um, and Marina had also mentioned that there was potential um, for a future site visit. So I think if you'd like to discuss that as well. Um, but if that sounds good, I'm happy to share my screen and um, provide you with an overview of the project. That would be perfect, Jen. Thank you very much. All right, no problem. So let me get situated here. Are you able to see my screen? It is a rendered plan. Not the, yeah, there it is. You're on. You got it. All right, great. Um, so, and actually maybe Marina was gonna give the quick overview. So I just wanna provide you um, with a better um, locus map here. I'm happy to do that. So for those who haven't um, visited this part of um, town. Hi, Jen. I'm here. I just want to let you know that I'm here. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Um, why don't you jump in and give the intro? I was just pulling up on screen the uh, aerial and then I'll take over. Um, oh, thank time. you. Yeah. So my name is Marina Fernandez. Thank you very much for having um, me here today. And Jen Johnson, she's our um, engineer consultant from Niche Engineering. Uh, they're out of Boston and uh, they've been working with us on this design as well as permitting, and they, they will hopefully be helping us with uh, construction oversight. So the project location is uh, just behind Cunningham and Collicott School in that green space um, area between the school and on Pleasant Street. Um, and it's, has, it, it has an entrance from both what is called Mary Trail as well as uh, Pleasant Street uh, between two of the homes, there, there's an ent entryway uh, on this uh, public space. The site is owned by the school department and um, it's, it's currently just a wooded area. The project proposal here is to create a, currently there is a drain that runs and, and Jen is gonna, go through much more in, in much more detail. There's um, a drain that crosses the site and goes underneath the site um, to, and, and collects the drainage uh, area from um, upper on the watershed and then it um, out, um, daylights onto uh, Unquity Brook. The reason why this project came to us here in the engineering department is because the Neponset um, Watershed Association did a study back in 2016, which um, realized that the Unquity Brook has um, issues with water quality during um, wet weather events. Um, so basically every time it rains, there's a spike on, um, on water quality indicators and let know that, hey, the Unquity Brook has issues uh, during the rain events. So basically the, this, uh, our underground piping is servicing us in a good sense because it's allowing for um, us not to have flooding 
but it's also disservicing us because it's bringing with them all of the uh, pollutants associated with runoff. So basically, those are things that are on the street um, already and, and it gets picked up by that flush. So the, the goal of this uh, that study was to then move forward and figure out which sites uh, that are owned by uh, public spaces, uh, not public spaces, but that are owned by, um, by the town of Milton that could be redirected to have this, what is called best management practices. Uh, Can I ask a question? Sure, of course. You, you had said that there was a, and we're familiar with the report card that the Neponset River gets each year. And they uh, typically test for uh, phosphorus, nitrogen, and E. coli. I see in your application that you're addressing um, the nitrogen content, the phosphorus content, and of course the total suspended solids. Um, but I, I did not see any reference to E. coli. Is that an issue in this area? And does this project do anything to uh, correct it? Um. So one of the things that get picked up by the rainstorm is uh, E. coli from not human feces, but they are from um, animals. So we're talking about, you know, your your dog walker that didn't pick up a, um, a poop uh, from the dog and it's now made its way through the watershed. Yeah. This site will uh, help with that, with those. Um, it's not intended to help with um, sewer system overflows. We do not experience sewer system overflows here in town. There are occasional events, but those are handled through DPW. And there, uh, there is a series of uh, protocols that get activated once there is a sewer system overflow. I, I hope I answered your question. You, you did. The only reason I asked the question is that I noted in section six, uh, pollutant removal calculations. It does address TSS, phosphorus, and nitrogen, um, but there is no reference in the chart to uh, E. coli. And I didn't know if, that, if the system is not designed for it or it's not a problem. No, uh, I'm happy to answer that. So the system primarily uses infiltration, but there's also filtration components. And with the infiltration, we do expect it to remove bacteria as well as nitrogen, phosphorus, and TSS. So that is provided in the appendix um, where we have the more detailed uh, pollutant removal calculation. Okay. John, John, you and I were uh, thinking along the, the exact same lines. I just scribbled down a question here in my notes. Uh, uh, just solutes or or bacteria as well. So the, so you've answered the question regarding the solids and you started to answer the question regarding uh, bacteria. But I guess my question, I really just want to take it one step further. So there is E. coli, but uh, any other organisms uh, in terms of bacterial uh, growth or contamination, for example, you know, runoff uh, due to fertilizers can call, cause blooms of, of mm -hmm. other, other microorganisms as well. So I'm wondering if you can address that aspect of it. Sure. Um, so I'm happy, actually, do you mind if I jump into a little bit more detail about how it's designed and then we can talk about those pollutant sure. removal processes? Yep. yep. Um, so kind of coming back from this image here, I'm going to show a plan that kind of zooms into this wooded area where we're proposing um, the proposed stormwater basin. 
Um, and just to orient you here, we've got the school property in the driveway that wraps around the back, Pleasant Street up um, on the north side and then Century Lane um, over here. The primary intent of this project is to utilize this existing woodland depression. Um, it's already a low point located, as Marina said, right alongside the sewer and drain pipes. So it provides easy access for us to be able to divert um, the lower flows um, associated with that closed drainage system. So the plan right now, as shown here, is to create a diversion manhole um, along the existing system, send it to a water quality structure, which is going to be our first line of defense. It'll remove trash um, and larger sediments, things like that, um, before we even divert into this lower swale here. Um, that is going to flow into the low point um, that will remain a woodland condition, um, but will be able to absorb stormwater runoff. And is the that way that structure we're underground or is it above ground? That's right. The structure is below ground um, and there's two access manholes at the surface that will be able to um, be cleaned out. So those, um, are, those are gross uh, removal of, of gross contaminants or, or, you know, whatever, whatever. Do you know what the, uh, what the size exclusion is of, of that step? The size of the sediment to be removed? The si yeah, size exclusion. If there's, and what is the filtration like? If you could just. It's not really intended more. to be um, a filtration system. It's more, um, I can even show you a, a detail of it. If you really, I love getting into the, into the details. <laughs> so. I'm happy to show you. It's kind of like a glorified sediment for a bay, right? But it, we put it okay. below grade because we didn't want, um, there are trails back there. So we thought it might be better to have this structure below grade. So it's really just a sedimentation chamber um, that okay. also will allow oils to float to the top um, before you get to that second step of treatment. Um, yeah, so it's not an actual size, size exclusion. It's a, it's a just simply sedimentation. I got it. That's yep. right. Not like a hydrodynamic separator. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so then... Uh, water from, this is primarily from the closed drainage system, is going to take this treatment train. It will go down through this riprap swale um, and down into the infiltration basin. And it, the way that this plan right now is set up is that um, the town did go through and take GPS shots of the points um, where trees are located primarily within um, the limit of work. So there are trees obviously all over this green space. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, but we did want to try to design um, the earth moving that is required to minimize as much impact as possible to trees. So the way that this basin will be created is by um, constructing this, it's about a two foot berm um, located on either end that kind of closes off that existing depression and allows water to pond um, within this woodland area. I'm sorry, within the what area? within this woodland depression here. Okay. Um, the soils actually are quite favorable um, within this low spot for infiltration. And so that will be the primary way that water is cleansed is to be recharged back into groundwater. And then overflow and larger storm events will be collected um, through a beehive grate, which is kind of those large um, circular grates um, that have a nice trash rack on top. And then it will connect right back to the the drainage system that runs along the pathway here. So when you say ponding, do you expect, and I, I know a lot of the calculations were done with a half inch of water um, as, as sort of the, the, the model. 
but I also saw that you went through, you know, two 25, 50, 100 year storms. Do you expect water to be, to be um, in this area that you've surrounded in blue as standing water? So after a storm event, um, in the largest storm event, um, if we get up to what we call brimful condition, right, if the whole basin is full of water, it's anticipated to dewater within 72 hours, which meets the Mass DEP stormwater handbook um, standards for these. So between storm events, it will dry out completely um, through infiltration, and then it also dewatering through this grate. Um, but immediately following storms, it will have some standing water as it absorbs back into the ground. Uh, up to what depth? I know it depends um, on the storm event, but let's say a um, hundred year storm. So the bottom of the basin is at 47.5 and our top of berm is, or I'm sorry, 45.5 and 47.5. So with two feet max ponding depth. And are you removing the trees or are they just going to? No, we're going to keep the trees in place. Um, we want to utilize the existing woodland um, condition. So the plan is just to, you can see in the heavier black line here, this is the only area where earthwork is required um, within the woodland to create those berms. So we're going to minimize the tree removal as much as possible. You can see over here as well, the, the grading here that's kind of required to close off either end of the depression. What's, what's the likelihood, though, of, and maybe it's the same elevation, but what's the likelihood of survival of those trees if there's standing water there? Like I said, it's only intermittent standing water following storm events. So we anticipate that it will dry out between storms. I, I understand that, but do you have any calculations on whether or not those trees are going to survive this? I mean, essentially, you're directing water to an area that currently does not have, that, this is really a question, does it currently have standing water? No, it does not have standing water. Um, but Marina, I think, could, do you want to speak to that? Because I believe you had an arborist look at the, the site as well as part of our earlier um, efforts. Yes. Uh, we, we did have an arborist come in and, and, and check out the site and also check out the plans for proposal. Um, and there were no imminent dangers too, because we, we've had that question come up before as to whether or not you having the standing water would um, kill the key, the trees. Uh, we don't believe that these trees would be um, affected by the, the standing water. The, um, the letter from the arborist is on record, um, and I can certainly provide this committee with, with that letter. Um, we, we, got, uh, we went out with the arborist and, and had a site visit. So I can certainly um, send that to the group. If you'd like, that, yes, that, that would yeah. be helpful because survivability that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I should let you know that I was the arborist. Oh, <laughs> and, and and Tom, what, what did, did you Hello. do? Did you do calculations uh, on this, Tom, in terms of? No, I didn't do calculations, but I did walk the site and I see all the trees, and most of the ones in the blue area are Norway maples, and they're like a full canopy. And it is true that they will get doused with water more than they do now, but because it will drain away so quickly, I don't think it will be a problem for the trees. They trees can certainly drown, but it takes them a while. And uh, there won't be many storms that will produce standing water here. 
Yeah, so that's the question is, is oxygen in the soil? If, if, if all the interstitial, you know, spaces are filled with water, then there's no oxygen for, for the roots to, yeah. to gain access to. So you but think- very um, yeah. thirsty soils. If okay. you look at the, the test fit data, they did two test fits, one in the little blue wetland on the right and one inside the blue area. And um, in no case did they find a annual high water mark closer than five feet to the surface. And the soils themselves were very sand, sandy. Okay. Yep. Yep. They're called That's... loamy sand. Um, so it's just very hard to get that area wet because it will drink up the water so quickly. In fact, okay. I did inspect where the current swale comes down from the stormwater system at the school. And it's interesting that Although that water, when it was running down the hill, the stormwater from the school property did erode a little swale through the sand. As soon as it hit the flat at the bottom, the swale disappeared because the running water did not, could not run across the surface. It just got swallowed up. The swale vanished. So uh, it was obvious to me that this is a very, absorbent soil. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And if there's high sand content, that all makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. How about, yes, uh, so how close does that, uh, can you just scroll down a little bit so we can, I can see the, uh, the extent of that blue dotted, yes, that's perfect. Uh, I'm just wondering if there's, if there's going to be at least potentially standing water in this area, what's the elevation difference between that blue area that you've got encircled and the, the backyards of the folks on Pleasant Street. Which way is the land sloping? I don't I don't see the topographical lines. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> it gives me a chance to talk about 40, some of that. 46, on wasn't it 46, 46 was top of Burham, right? Yes, 47.5. Yeah. So 47.5 here. You can see there is an existing depression located in this abutter's backyard. Um, which is down at 45 up to 47. So this is an existing low point. Um, and we know that these folks see water. They, um, I'm not sure if they're in attendance this evening, but they were present at the public outreach meeting that was held last year as part of um, the earlier steps in this project. So the topography is such that um, there's a high point here as well. So water is kind of flowing down um, either towards this low point or towards um, our depression. Um, and same on this side of the driveway, it kind of pushes down into um, this depression. So um, to answer your question back here, you can see we have, um, we're going back uphill 46, 47, 48, um, and then eventually up 49. So it's sitting up, um, these yards are sitting up a little bit um, from the existing, the anticipated flood depth or planning depth of this basin. And, and again, just to, uh, just to add to that point, if I may, uh, the berm there, the um, that is shown, it is to protect what we had figured out that some of the residents were having ponding on their backyard, potentially due to the due to the runoff. So we're hoping that this project will uh, remedy uh, some of that ponding that's currently happening and divert all the water truly to where it needs to be, which is at the um, our basin. 
That's right. So as a result of that feedback that we received at the public meeting, we actually added in a new feature um, that I'm pointing out here. This is a crushed stone trench that's going to be located at the toe of the slope, but before you get to the existing depression that um, is within the abutter's backyard. So this crushed stone will um, act kind of as a French drain would um, around a home, right? It's going to absorb water and there's a perforated pipe located within it that will discharge towards the basin. So now this water coming down the slope will no longer be um, entering this backyard. It will be diverted into the new um, stormwater feature. So um, that was the approach that we took to try and resolve or improve the condition for the abutter. That makes sense that the abutter you're talking about is the one with the depression. Do you know the number of that house? I do not know offhand. Okay. I, I can find out. We I just spoke with the resident on 451 today, Pleasant Street. And then just for correction on the record, the butter that has the lowest depression that we're talking about, and I'll get the number in a second, was not in attendance at the public meeting we had and we walked, but her neighbor was, and she voiced that concern on her behalf. So um, just so you know, we are actually all, we're both on this call. Listen. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yep. sorry, I had to make that correction. Do you know what number? I'm sorry, you, you must know what number it is then. 489. Thank you. Four, I'm sorry, 489? Yeah, and at one point in the last two years, we had over a foot and a half of water in the backyard. Uh, you know, sort of ex an extreme event, but came up within about eight feet of the back of the house. And that whole area behind 489, which is a funny sort of triangle-shaped property right at the bends, um, that floods within, you know, fairly regularly anytime there's any amount of heavy rain particularly if there's a storm right after another or during cold seasons when the ground is more frozen. So there is regular water accumulation all throughout that area. And it's not covered by the, the berm that looks like it's proposed. It cuts off right where most of the flooding into the backyards actually occurs. Oh no, up a little bit further with your cursor. Yep. So that house right where you are and then up off, exactly. And the one up off to the right will also experience some of the water during more extreme situations. But I, do you agree though that the berm will, will help protect your property and that uh, as we're looking at to the right? Um, so I've never spent any time up off to, off to the left, sort of beyond you know, where my property is and in between, uh, I'm sorry, not making sense, on the other side of the berm from where my property is but, you know, anytime I've gone out in the back of the house after heavy rainfall, that whole area off to the right-hand side of the berm collects water, and that water is also moving into our backyard. So I don't think that berm is actually going to protect us much. Jen, uh, do you agree with that, at least by design purposes? I'm, I'm not sure um, where that additional flow, I mean, all I can speak to is the, um, the location of the existing depression, which you can see here is this 45 contour, which is primarily located in that yard, um, as well as kind of extending a little bit further to the north. Um, and the intent of this crushed stone trench is to disconnect the rest of that watershed so that it's not flowing down um, into that location. Um, you can see that here. It is true that there's additional um, water that may be 
generated um, by the rest of the watershed um, that might still get to his low point. Um, but our intent was to disconnect as much as possible within the parcel that this project is proposed on. Yeah, what we had heard at the meeting with the with the homeowners, it was that this was a um, condition that got worse after the school built a, um, I believe they call, it's like a park back there where the highest point is. Um, so that's what, that was our intent. If, if that condition got worse when the park was built, we could build that berm and disconnect that area from flowing directly into these people's backyards and, and therefore using that water to go back into our basin. Part that right. you're talking about is that is that the synthetic turf area? Yes. I don't know. Yes, and so now also the swale that um, runs behind the school and collects the drainage system from the school um, area will also be disconnected from that low point by the construction of this berm, because now that will be directed um, to the basin, which has another discharge point away from that existing low point. So. You can see we've tried to isolate that um, from the rest of the system. Could I ask a question about um, to the to the right on the Century Lane side, please? Sure. Um, so I uh, and I apologize. I I wasn't able to attend the uh, the, the first meeting, but uh, I'm at 17 Century, and I know in in my yard, uh, I'm I'm kind of new to some of this stuff, but. Can you I'm, I'm sorry, very, Jonathan. Could you identify yourself? Because we we're trying to keep a record. Yep, sure. My name's Jonathan Healan, uh, and I'm at 17th Century Lane. And, Great. Thank um, you. Thank you. I have a uh, high water table in, in my area because uh, it was pointed out to me with high tree roots and such. Um, and in my basement, anyway, uh, I have a, a French drain and, and some... Um, two sump pumps, a battery backup, and I I don't take in that much water anymore unless it's really, really bad, but the, my yard kind of slopes to my house, uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, what type of, um, I don't know, to me, uh, it, uh, it, it sounds like if, if we're now pooling the water and making it pond somewhere, it's, it seems like it would just saturate the uh the water even more, maybe not necessarily on top, you know, running off, but but underneath, which can, you know, obviously it flows how it flows. Is there any consideration to obviously for for Pleasant, but for uh, the Century Lane side as well, when they do the work here, are they trying to, I don't know, divert anything or do a, a add a crushed stone uh, French drain to, you know, keep it from going into the houses there? Um, Marina, can you, or Jen, can you address that? Because I, I don't know which way the water is flowing. Uh, is that the same water? Uh, I can speak to that. I think, uh, Mr. Johnson, I think you were speaking about the groundwater. And I, I, if I heard you correctly, you're concerned about that groundwater table being rising up and then therefore affecting your residence because you do have, you have all made all the right moves you put the french drain around your property you put those two sump pumps which are collecting that groundwater that would otherwise be making its way into your uh, basement um 
So the, the, the goal of this project really is to only infiltrate that first flush of water. That's the first, that, because the idea of a project like this, it, that is what has the biggest impact to the that first flush that has, you know, maybe um, uh, some of the pollutants that can be very, can be treated very well in a situation like this and taking care through proper maintenance by DPW. Um, that it's not necessarily gonna rise up your groundwater really high. So basically what I'm trying to say is that this is not going to be soaking for, um, so if we have a hundred year storm, this is not gonna be taking in a hundred year storm. This is only still only taking that first flush and then it stops and then it, it's kind of like a bathtub so once it, it hits the top, it will continue to use the existing drain system that you have always had in that backyard to flow that water onto Unquity Brook. I don't know if I can explain myself a little better. Well, what, what's what's holding the water? The berms around the the berm around the basin holds the uh, the water up to an elevation. Because that's the idea. You're treating that first flush, and then after that, if if Jen, if you can uh, scroll in, it has that little um, overflow there. There you go, and then it drains back onto the drain system that it's been existing there, and you continue to take that water through. So again, if you have a hundred-year storm, this is not trying to. The, our purpose is not to infiltrate a hundred-year storm or a fifty-year storm or five-year storm. None of that. The idea is that first flush, you treat that first flush. Um, Jen, if you can just maybe speak to that a bit more. Sure, yeah, it's the first half an inch of rainfall across the watershed that will be um, taken into the basin um, through the diversion structure. And as Marina mentioned, um, beyond that, it will continue to utilize the flow drainage system. So it is a limited amount of water that would be directed here so that it does not have a major impact on the hydrology of the of the overall area. But so I to mean, answer your question, um, I think what you're asking about, we call it um, in engineering groundwater mounding, right? Will there be any impact to groundwater um, from this project? And the answer is that we do not expect that to occur because it is a low dose of water being added. But, the, you know, it, there's obviously digging and, and, you know, moving earth around when they do it and it's kind of like anything can happen. It seems like uh, when 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 they do that, and not not anticipating it to happen or uh, not expecting it, or it shouldn't, you know, isn't. I I just wonder if now's the time to like, what if it does happen? What do I, me and some of the other neighbors do if if now something got disrupted and it and it and it it you know it, it flows a different way or whatever. I just wonder if there's you know since they're doing it, is there a way to Cut that, so, head that off at the pass and kind of mitigate any problems for the houses. I think that's a, that's a very fair question. So to, um, to that point, this is the engineering department doing this project. So we're not a developer that I'm going to go away. We're still going to be in town and uh, dealing with this, with this project. Uh, Jen will have oversight during construction. So this is not going to be a contractor that will go out there and just uh, arbitrarily make mounts. We will have an engineer oversight. Uh, during construction, and we have a whole full bid package. They need to comply to those requirements in the bid package, otherwise they do not get 
payment, you know, if they, they, the, the elevation is off or there is reconstruction, we will be able to remedy right away to no cost to you, no cost to the town, um, for them to, you know, make what we're trying, what is the planning document. Now, if there are any issues with you, the amount of water that you're getting after, let's say after a year, you, you know, you, you have a, a high spring. Again, it's, it's really difficult to compare a year with another year, but if you're seeing a lot more water, you certainly need to get a hold of our department and um, we'll be working with you to see uh, what other ways we can do to, to get that water out of your basement. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, if, you know, the, the, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's wait and see and maybe uh, something could happen and maybe nothing would happen. I just, I guess I was posing the question if, if it was looked at, if there was a way to mitigate it while people are back there, engineers, workers, people are thinking about this stuff. It would be great if they, you know, maybe it's like, uh, you know, the time uh, to me, the, the time to potentially do it is, would be upfront. I just feel like it would save work and time and, and money ultimately, but and it has been up front. There's just been a, a whole year of design in, with Jen and Jen's group and hydraulic modeling. So uh, th this is not, we're not eyeballing this. This has been thoroughly uh, through, and this is a project project um, that has passed all the QAQC checks, uh, both internally to our department as well as niche uh, engineering department. Jonathan, the only other thing I can uh, mention um, is that the way that this watershed divide lines up, it's such that um, the project is located kind of outside of the watershed that's impacting this row of homes. You can kind of, these are the, the contours um, here that you can see. Um, and this water along this side on, on these residential homes is pushing um, towards it. So this project here is located outside of that direct impact. So it's a little bit different than what happened over here, right, where this was an existing low point um, that was with. So I, I Jen, think. Jen, do you have the map? Because I, I recall seeing that watershed map in your yep. package. I do have a that, watershed that map might, there. That might give a good visual display of what you just said. Sure, thanks. Um, so here's the, the homes along um, your street and Pleasant Street to the north here. So the watersheds that are being um, absorbed by this project or directed to this project location, which is the, the blue line here, are these green boundaries. So you can see this is the other piece of woodland um, that's a little bit closer to that road, um, which is outside of the, the influence of this project. Um, so that's, that's how we designed it, right, is based on this contributing drainage area. Jonathan, does that make sense to you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm getting, I'm getting some of it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Could we go back to the other picture? I want to point something out. The sure. Closer in plan. Do you see the wetland that's drawn in there with the, the little <laughs> blue polygon? Remember, yep. we were talking about the soils, how deep and sandy they are, and uh, annual high water mark of the groundwater was more than five feet down. When I was there and looking at that wetland, I said to myself, I don't know if I would map this as a wetland because I really can't find any wetland <laughs> indicators, although 
there were a couple of well implants, but notice where it's placed in, re in relation to all the contours. It's right at the bottom of the closest um, approximation of contours. In other words, the steepest area, it's right at the bottom of the steepest area. And if this house lot we're talking about has the same relation to those contours, doesn't it? Mr. Helan's house is at the bottom of a steep slope. Isn't that so? Is this your house yeah, up where, here? Yeah, where the slope, you can see the contours are close together just uphill. And then they flatten out and there are few of them. That's also true of where the wellin is. And it's also true of where the swale comes off the slope on the existing stormwater. So it's just a place where you have a built-in likelihood of water getting closer to the surface than in most of these very porous areas because you're at a place where a slope ends. And just because water moves downhill, as it comes off the slope at the bottom, it tends to approach the surface a little more. That's all I'm saying. I'm not arguing about the previous statement that would say, Mr. Helan's lot seems to be out of the way of this drainage alteration we're proposing, but I would agree with him that he's in a place. If you look at all the lots on this slope, it's a lot at the bottom of the slope. It's likely to be on the receiving end of water. And yep. uh, so it's going to be sensitive as he has explained. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Right. Can I can I jump to a, a, another issue related, obviously, but uh, and that is on the on the O and M plan. I, I'm not sure what the town's plan is. I'm looking at um, section 3.2 of the stormwater operation and maintenance requirements. Um, there's a question that's kind of still left there as to, as to what the uh, uh, what the plan is for cleaning the catch basins. He was left as a question rather than as a as a, a statement as to what the O&M plan is. I can answer that. So um, the town of Milton collects stormwater fees, as you all know, and those fees are used for several uh, stormwater related um, maintenance around town. Uh, we have an annual contract with a with a, a third party that cleans um, our green infrastructure. Um, they basically they they bid on a list of infrastructures. Um, and they come in and they do the typical maintenance um, either twice a year or more often as we see necessary. So as we see, you know, we're cleaning more and it, it needs it needs more maintenance. It gets on the list and it will get clean as often. So the 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 number of times I believe that Jen has suggested uh, in her report twice a year minimum, but the actual amount of number of cleanings could be more. Uh, with a minimum of two, and again, will be done by our third uh, our third party service. Um, but it says four, uh, Marina. I, I'm reading here. It says inspector clean catch bases four times per year, and then there's a question to you. So the, oh, that's, so that's why I'm, I'm questioning. I must yeah, I must have gone confused. I know there was a minimum, 
but that I think what a, the idea that we're trying to portray is that it can get clean more often and it does not get clean by our DPW staff. It gets cleaned by um, our third party provider. And how are the inspections managed? So how do you determine if there's more or additional cleaning or so we have an environmental coordinator here in town and um, she tracks um, she tracks the amount of growth and a, amount of trash that is picked up um, during that cleaning. So that indicates whether or not we need to, you know, make it more often than, than the minimum amount that is, is being suggested by Jen and her team. Yep, and in addition to that, um, the swale itself, the um, the pretreatment structure, and the infiltration trench will all require um, additional maintenance. That's part of the plan to make sure that the system will continue to function over time. All right, but this this would also be affected by the the O and M plan for the Cunningham School because that's where some of the pollutants are coming from. Correct. That's right. Um, Part of the, the project, and I guess we can touch on this, we haven't talked about this part yet. Um, there's the existing um, two outfalls from the school that I'm kind of pointing out here with my cursor um, that come into this existing swale that, um, as Tom mentioned, runs down the slope and into that depression area. This project is looking to enhance that swale to further um, promote pollutant removal and infiltration within this upper portion. Um, part of the project will also remove the accumulated sediment and debris from the swale as it stands right now. And then to build in some additional check dams as you work your way down the slope, because it is eroding a little bit, I think, in higher flows as you work down because it's pretty steep. So the intent here is to have check dams um, and to stabilize this area as it works down. Um, we're not adding any new water there. We're just trying to manage that existing flow better. Um, and so that swale will also um, promote additional pollutant removal and absorption into the ground before you even get down to the bottom um, of the hill where the depression is going to be. Just wanted to point that out for you. Understood. Um, this is kind of a, a, a <laughs> I'm not sure it's an answerable question, but <laughs> to the extent that the project is um, designed to improve the water quality in Aquity Brook and eventually into the Bonset River. Uh, is there any kind of a measure as to the efficiency of this plan once it's implemented? I mean, are you going to be able to, I, I know you can measure the, the solids removed um, and eventually you can see what's happening in the Deposit River, but is there any way to measure the efficacy of this particular plan? That's an interesting question, actually. Are you asking about if monitoring might occur with water coming in versus out? Yes, right, right. What's what's going out? What's going out now and what's going to go out after after this is over? I'm not sure where you'd even capture it from. It might be somewhere uh, Uncle Brook first daylights. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure where you'd measure from. Like, I, I can't speak to, uh, Marina, why don't you take it? And then, because um, I know we've talked actually about that a lot and about the potential for this project to really serve as um, public education tool and could also be worked into the school curriculum. Uh, but I'm not sure where that stands. So I'm going to let Marina take that. Yeah. So um, John, the it's a different, it's a difficult 
take for us to uh, be monitoring the life of the project and uh, capturing those TSS removed, actual TSS removed. Uh, but we are hoping that this will become part of uh, the school curriculum, uh, fifth grade, uh, currently fifth grade science um, taught, um, has in the curriculum um, stormwater management. So we are envisioning that this may be a site that um, the Ponce of, Wa the Ponce of Watershed Association currently goes to this school and helps with the fifth grade science. So we are hoping that very much like other projects like this in neighboring communities, the, the children can come down and access the site. If any monitoring John happens, it will be part of a study, um, maybe through research R&D, uh, but there are no requirements or plans to actually monitor um, the, the actual TSS removed. Well, how is the site selected in the first place? Well, I was actually mentioning that in the beginning of this presentation, uh, the Neponset River Watershed Association did the study, uh, figure out that Uncle Brook, it has an, a stormwater um, runoff issue. And then they followed up uh, with the town of Milton um, with a study to select town owned properties that could have its biggest bank for a buck, right? So we, we have the largest acres and the least amount of construction that are required to um, repurpose, not repurpose, but to use the, the, the sites. And, and this is was one of the sites that got uh, selected. Five sites were finalists in the town. Uh, one of the sites is the, uh, you might all be very familiar with the current uh, basin that is behind the police station. It's a double basin that has been constructed. I believe it was constructed in 2019. Yes, we're, we're well familiar with that. Yeah. So it's part yeah, John, of the same study, John, and we're just going down the list. Sorry to interrupt. No, John, I'll just say it's Dan Driscoll. It's like excellent question because it seems like in medicine we talk about process measures and outcomes, right? So it's sort of a process measure, and you're asking about the outcome, right? Yes. And uh, and so it, it's it seems unusual you do this bigger project and not uh, not have a plan to test your outcome. Am I saying that correctly? <laughs> no, you, you are. And I, I know that they could easily say that, well, e each year the Neponset River is tested for, uh, as I said in the beginning, it's it's E. coli, phosphorus, and uh, nitrogen, and they get a, a grade. Um, and Uncle Brook <laughs> flunked, uh, or is a C minus or something. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah. And so that Uncle Brook needs to be cleaned. And this was one of several sites that were talked about. One was at Algerine Corner to pick up the pollutants coming off of Adam Street. This was a, a backup site to that plan. So I'm just wondering whether or not it was selected because there was a, an identifiable uh, source for contamination or pollution. And if so, then is there any way to measure, you know, is it, is it coming out of the water at that point? It may have to wait until you know ten years from now, and and the Neponset River changes gradually. And it has, by the way, it's it's gotten much better over the last twenty years. John, this is Arthur, if I may. Yeah. Uh, part of the outcome will be whether or not there's a water quality improvement in Unquity Brook. Uh, my recollection is that the last report card from NEPRA gave Unquity Brook a grade of F. 
which is only one of a handful of um, waterways in the entire Neponset watershed area designated with the lowest grade possible. So with that type of a benchmark, after this work is, is completed, uh, there would be ongoing monitoring through the water quality in Equity Brook. Yeah, uh, I, I agree, well stated. Um, yeah, and then not only that, this project has received uh, funding from uh, 319 grant, grant, which is a state grant um, for that same reason. Um, they they understand what the potential input positive impacts to Uncle Brook this project can have as an outcome. So it, it's a very um, it, it's a very difficult grant to receive. Uh, and we have been uh, as the town of Milton, we have been very fortunate to to um, receive this grant for this construction. Mr. Chairman, if I may add. Um... I know this topography very well. Uh, I spent years going way back as a student at Collicott and Cunningham uh, before the new construction. I'm aware and familiar with uh, the changes that have taken place in the area um, since the new schools were built. I, I know the pathways in there. I know Century Avenue, Pleasant Street, and so on down the line. We have to remember that this is at the crest of uh, a hill um, coming up Pleasant into Edge Hill Road. So you have an extreme amount of water flow that's coming off um, that entire area into um, Unquity Brook ultimately. So this would be a major um, mitigation improvement with respect to the water flow that's coming off the roadways uh, parking lots, et cetera, in that particular area. By that, I mean the, the larger neighborhood. Yep, that's represented here. You can see the 32-acre um, drainage system that's being diverted through the pipe system. Um, and then the lighter blue areas are areas that are being captured over land. Um, so we've got about 32 acres here of this upland neighborhood um, that will be treated now that are not um, currently treated beyond a catch basin. So it's a very, very significant area that's going to be treated. 40 acres. Fantastic. Like a good plan. Uh, any questions from commissioners? Is there any, and I'm not I'd be to speak so quickly, but uh, it may be appropriate to do a site walk. We could do it quickly. So it's not a question of slowing down the process. Um, I, I would like to site walk. I've certainly been there in the past, um, but I, uh, I think it might be beneficial to the commission and to the public uh, if we had a, a public meeting on site. Does anybody else uh, think like that's that. appropriate? Yep, agree. All right, how about um, we, we can move quickly, and, and Marina, we won't slow, slow down the process at all by this because we could actually do it this Saturday as long as we get the public notice that we need 48 hours. We'd have to notice it tomorrow, <clears throat> which we can do. Uh, we could do it this Saturday or the next Saturday. I think this Saturday is um, the 18th. The following Saturday is the 25th. Is there a consensus that the site walk is appropriate? 
We should do it. We always do one. No. <laughs> Just looking for a consensus, Tom. <laughs> um, John, this is Hans. I'm not available this Saturday. I would like to do the site walk, though. Can you do the 25th? I, I believe so, yes. That's great. I can do the 25th, Ingrid. Uh, I'm just looking at my calendar right now. Um, yes, I can do the 25th. Okay, Arthur? I'm not available that day. Unfortunately, I'm available the 18th, but I could sidewalk it again. We've been up there in the past, Mr. Chairman, if I remember correctly. We have been there. Yeah, several years, and um, I can go and, and do an independent sidewalk. I'd be happy to do that. All right. Um, so we've got... Uh, three for the, the 25th. Uh, I could do the 18th as well tomorrow. Uh, I mean, this this Saturday. Right, but uh, Hans, Hans uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, cannot. And, and I, I know that Arthur is well familiar with it. He used to walk those paths, I think, um, uh, back in the day. Todd, are you around? On which which day? Uh, well, either day, but it looks like... Uh, um, to accommodate Hans, and I'm not, I'm not picking Hans over. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not familiar with it. Could you do the 25th? Yeah, I can do it. All right. Well, I, I don't think of any problems right now. All right, Wendy? Uh, unfortunately, due to February vacation, I'll be out of town the next two weekends. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sad to miss the site walk, but I, I trust my colleagues. <laughs> um, all right, so now I'm... <laughs> counting people here. So we've got uh, Hans for the 25th, Arthur for the 18th. I can do either one. Ingrid, you can do the 25th. I can do either one, yeah. Tom? Either one, I think. Um, and uh, Tom, do you have to recuse yourself for this? Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, I was asked to provide some information, but I, I don't think... Uh, any decision would have a financial impact on me. I'm not the attorney. Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly no financial interest uh, in it. Uh, so that that takes care of, you know, the, the big conflict uh, issue. But my only concern was, you know, the, the survival rate of the trees on the standing water. But, but I, I think your expertise is important uh, in that area. Although I don't think, I don't think that you think much of Norway maples. <laughs> so, and that's what's um, there. I, I like them. I hope they, you're not going to sacrifice the, my Norway maples. Um, <laughs> you know, they are an upland tree. Um, <laughs> okay, I got you. And yes, there will be water that first half inch that they're not getting now. Uh, but it's just my observation that Occasional wetting is not a problem for most trees. In fact, when you're trying to plant a tree, you have to do it. Um, at any rate, I could be wrong. You know, I'm just, it's my estimate that they won't be harmed. Well, actually, um, maples in general are often recommended for rain gardens, which Essentially, that's kind of what we're talking about here, just on a much larger scale. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I would, I'm, I'm guessing that Norway maples would be fine. Um, they're, they're usually on the do not plant list for, for uh, rain garden guidance, just because they're invasive. But maybe we could just add um, 
a um, recommendation that if any of the Norway maples were to to perish, that they'd be replaced with natives. And, and or wetland trees, yeah. at least fact, fact wet. Yeah. But it doesn't, say, it doesn't sound like, John, if the ground is so sandy, it's not going to hold water long. Right. Well, I, I understand that. I understand that. I'm just so. Yeah, I, I think Tom's right. Planted. The tree. I think the trees will be okay. If you got sandy soils, they're not going to really be saturated for long. Understood. And uh, I know this. What four feet between uh, groundwater elevation? Five feet, she said. I believe. Yeah, the closest was five feet. All right. Yeah. Understood. Well, it looks like um, Wendy can't make it. Everybody except for Arthur can make the 25th. So that's one, two, three, four, five. We've got a quorum. Uh, Arthur, is that okay if, if we do it uh, on the 25th without you? That's fine. And as I said, I, I, I walk that area periodically and uh, I'll be happy to walk up again and do a sidewalk on the 18th. Perfect. Uh, thank you. Uh, so um, can we meet, uh, Marina, is that uh, doable for you? And perhaps Jen or whomever wants to be there? Yes, on, I, can, on the I can be there. I can be there. I think uh, Jen, maybe we. I will work out a uh, schedule with Jen. Um, could it be in the morning? <laughs> yes. It's going to be in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Marina, you, you can cast a deciding vote here. Would, it, would you prefer 8 o'clock or 8.30? Uh, 8.30, please. Oh, Wendy, you must have gotten to her. <laughs> Wendy, I was going to pick six. <laughs> I know. You, you live in a different time zone, Todd. <laughs> All right. 8.30 8 on Saturday, the 25th. Uh, we will meet. Uh, where shall we meet? In the, in the... Is it rain or shine? Rain oh, yeah. or shine, yes. Or snow. Uh, <laughs> Right at the, uh, uh, on the back, coming in off of the Pleasant Street side in Cunningham and back of the school? Um, yes, there is a parking lot and uh, you can all park your vehicles over here and then we can walk down Mary Trail. I believe it's named after a teacher. Um, so we, we can we can walk there. So down is down. that off of Edge Hill? Is that the it's main? Out, off of 80 Edge Hill, correct. Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, I think you come in uh, off of, you're going um, to that side? Um, Jen, do you have that video I showed you? That's a really nice vid video so they can see where we're going to meet. I it's couldn't find the video on the web. Are you, was it on the website? It was on no. the PowerPoint that I sent you. Oh, I no. only got the link to the website, so I'm sorry. Um, I, I have it. I, I thought the direct access to the parking lot was off of Pleasant Street. Where the, the, the marks are, the... Uh, no, move the cursor to the left. There's two access points. There's, I think Marina is pointing out, um, kind of parking back here behind the school, um, where the swale is, and there's a, a trailhead right here we can drop down in. Okay. And there is also yeah. access off Pleasant, but there's more parking up here by the school. Yeah. John, the last time we did a sidewalk, we parked exactly where the cursor was pointing in that driveway and along the uh, wood lane. Okay. All right. I always just went in off of Pleasant Street. What's it? What's the name of that street there? McKinnon Ave. And it goes right back to Cunningham, off of Pleasant. Oh, here, McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, it goes right, right to where those the spaces are. But no, we'll meet where you where you indicated, Marina. So we'll okay. go in next to uh, Collicott. Yeah, just um, it could be slippery, so you know, I'm sure you all know where safe shoes. 
Okay. All right. That's perfect. Thanks for the advice. Um, thank you. Wonderful. Thank you very much for your time and attention. And we'll see you on Saturday morning at 830 on the 25th. On 25th. Sounds I mean, good. Thank you very much. I appreciate thanks, all of everyone. your time and excellent questions. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you Marina. Thank you, Jen. Bye. Okay, next on the agenda is uh, a request for determination of applicability at 76 Forbes Road. Yeah, Marion, uh, are you presenting with us? And I, I know uh, Ms. Dunn is, is here as well. And Ellen Dunn is here with me. Oh, great. Um, sure. So I'll go ahead if you'd like. That'd be great. Um, Thank you. This, this application is basically about a tree having been removed without prior consultation with the commission. Um, I've provided some uh, WPA Form 1 request for determination of applicability. Um, we provided a plan, which is actually a site plan from the Milton Hill Development Subdivision, but it's a very detailed uh, site plan that has wetlands lines. And I've marked with an X on the plan where the tree is. It's along Milton Hill Road. It's at the intersection of the Dunn property um, and the, the um, property to the right, and then the Milton Hill Subdivision. And it's on the, the, the Dunn property side of that roadway, Milton Hill Road. So the issue here is that in October, first of all, um, Ellen Dunn inherited this property this year. Her father died last spring. And um, I think that you've probably been on a site walk for the Milton Hill um, Development Subdivision. I'm sure there's all kinds of issues because there are wetlands lines there. I'm not sure how familiar or how much you remember that, but this particular tree um, was tilting or leaning as partly uprooted and um, Ellen thought that it was dangerous and should be removed and, and called Walnut um, Tree Company to come and take it down, which they did. Um, but then she realized, and also I think one neighbor um, told her and also called the commission to say that this tree shouldn't come down without prior consultation with the commission. Well, the tree is down. So we're here tonight to say that we acknowledge that, um, or she does, the tree certainly looks like it's in your area of jurisdiction, and we just want to know what we need to do. So I think that um, Ellen is prepared to plant additional trees on her property as directed. Um, any plan really that you feel is suitable. Um, the black walnut tree, um, according to Walnut Tree Company, was in poor condition and 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 you know should have been taken down. But the procedure is that you're supposed to come to the commission first and discuss the conditions for doing that. There is one other issue. Um, Steve Ivas did do take a look at the property. I don't believe he's at your meeting tonight, but he talked to me, um, has talked to Ellen Dunn. And one of the things he pointed out is that it looks like probably Ellen Dunn's father um, was composting leaves and grass along the back of a wide lawn that's in back of their house. It's a ranch house. And that area along the edge at one point is probably also at least Steve thought it was might be in this area of jurisdiction. So the question here is, nothing's been composted there. The very um, most recent time would have been last spring. Mr. Dunn uh, passed away last spring. So I don't know. The, I, I looked at the property. I could see some mounds of kind of um, composted, semi-composted grass. Um, Steve Ives suggested maybe some of that should be removed. So it's a secondary issue, but my question to you tonight is, um, 
this is uh, plant material. It's co partly composted. If you want some some part of it removed, um, Ellen is hiring John Driscoll, and John suggested that it should any removal should be done in the spring when the ground isn't frozen. But I'm not sure to what extent you should dig up composted material and disturb it further. So I'm a little bit puzzled about that, exactly what to do. But the main question we're here for tonight is to ask you what we should do for mitigation for removing the tree since we did not um, consult the commission beforehand. Well, I, I think the easiest way to, to respond to this is I always look for the path of least resistance. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I see in your letter, Marion, that uh, Ms. Dunn is, and, and I, I should say Ms. Dunn, where uh, our condolences for the passing of your dad. Uh, so I know it must be a, you know, a, a difficult time for you. So we appreciate you coming in and, and uh, coming to the commission to rectify this problem. The easiest way to do it is to just conform with our or comply with our uh, performance standard and to match the circumference of the tree that was removed by new plantings. Now, I'm just eyeballing the picture. I, I have no idea if that's, you know, you know, 16 to 18. Let, let me just say if it's 18 inches, and I know it's split, but let me just make it up. That would be six three-inch trees or, uh, you know, you can divide it any way you want. Six three inches or three six-inch trees, or maybe it's 15 inches, it's three five-inch trees or uh, whatever the circumference is. And our, our magic tape measure person is uh, Steve Ivis. And I think he's away until um, March 4th. I know it's the first week in March, uh, but he'll be here at our next meeting. But if you're going to plant anyway, and I know in your letter, the question came up as to, uh, do you have to put it in the same area? No, you can, you know, follow your own heart and put the trees where you want them. Uh, you can consult the landscape architect if you want, or you can put them anywhere you want uh, on the property. Um, and it, it's, it's as long as it's, you know, a native species. Um, it sounds like you wanted to do that anyway. Yes. So that uh, would keep you happy and keep us happy if you just matched the, the circumference of the tree that was removed. Now, I don't know if... <laughs> Um, I'm not even sure whether the trunk is still there. There's a picture of it that we gave you. Um, it looks like a stump, and the trunk just laying beside the stump. Right. And I, mean, I would say the stump is not any more than 12 inches. Looking at the picture. Okay. Well, well, let's just let's just say it is 15 or 16. If you were to say six three-inch trees would be planted somewhere on the property. Um, not necessarily um, in in the the area where the tree was taken down. Um, we're perfectly willing to do that, or um, some variation that adds up to the same amount of inches. And if you'd want, um, we could report back as to because there's no plan yet for where they will go. I think Ellen Dunn has been looking at possible locations, and she has two trees that have died over on the other side of her property that she'd like to replace. But um, we could give you just just as a follow up to this meeting, we could provide for the commission um, a sketch plan that shows the the types of trees and the locations and the size being a minimum of three inches, I guess, uh, and we'd say a minimum of six trees. That that could be a proposal, and then you could if if you if you accept that, that means we have a plan that we can act on resulting from this meeting. I just like to avoid having to come back for more meetings just for this one tree, but you know, whatever you think. 
No, sure. If, if um, th this is an RDA, so um, it is it. It is. It is. An, I mean, as I filed an RDA. I, uh, Steve requested that I do that. You can see that we haven't gone out and hired a, a separate engineer to delineate because we already have a plan directly adjacent to where this tree was removed that shows wetlands lines. So I felt that was sufficient for the um, commission to be able to determine the tree yeah. within the area. Right, and we've we've just we've been out there very recently, and for the public's benefit, we had a site walk there just a couple months ago. Um, so that Mary, that, that's that's fine. I think we could consider this an RDA, um, except the the sort of the conceptual plan with mm -hmm. a sketch plan to be submitted later. Okay. Um, and I I'm not you know Tom, your eyesight's probably better than mine in terms of the circumference, but uh, if if you're happy planting six three-inch trees, or you want to make it 15 inches and play it, you know, plant five, that would be acceptable uh, to me because I I really don't know. If I I just I was looking for something that we could divide by, you know, three. <laughs> does Does anybody have a picture if it was real rotted? You know, the center of it. Um, well, we did provide a picture in the material of the trunk. Does it look rotted? Yeah. It doesn't it, look it, rotted for some reason. The uh, tree looks was like a happy tree. Over. It, it had it had, the roots had started to pull up. I think. Oh, that okay, I gotcha. It was coming out of the ground. Yes, and it's hanging yeah. over Milton. It's hanging over the abutters' um, private driveway, basically. Okay. So this this was a you know did look like a safety issue. I think if I'd met with you beforehand, you would have concluded probably that it should be taken down. The problem is we don't have the tree in front of us anymore, so we can't yeah. measure it. But we can estimate and um, on estimate generously. So you've well, Tom, Tom thinks it's what twelve inches, Tom. I'm, I would say diameter, and Marion, you said the tree is not around. Was the stump removed? Yeah. By the time I got involved, um, the area was cleaned up, and th that's, this was in October. And we, you know, I started preparing this application in January. We have the pictures. We have the letter from Walnut Tree. We asked them to describe why they, you know, what the work was and, and what the tree was, black walnut tree. Um, but I I didn't see anything beforehand. Did you say black locust before? I'm sorry, black locust. I keep calling yeah. it a black locust. It's a black locust. Yeah, whatever it says yeah. in the letter. Um, um, sorry. Just eyeballing it, I would say is for diameter, it's not going to be any more than 12 inches. So right. I like this. Like the pointless circumference. Yeah. Tom, yeah. I was talking circumference. Right. I was I not talking diameter. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's easier for me to say diameter. That just seems more significant to me. At any rate, of course, if it's 12 inches of diameter, it will be. It'll be a lot more than 18 more. inches. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, she married. He thought, me, he, thought he was on your side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know what you want us to do. Honestly, I mean, Ellen so and I have talked about this. According to our There's a lot of other things rule, she's dealing with. So we just like to. Isn't our rule that. Whatever inches of either circumference or diameter are lost will be replaced with equivalent trees. Is that a rule? Yes. It was draft written as circumference, but mathematically it doesn't matter as long as you right. match the sum. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so tell me what the sum is. It's 12 inches. But that's the diameter. Yeah. Right. That's but so at, you would at the end of the day, four, John, it comes out the same. Four trees of three-inch diameter. Four three-inch trees would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Four three-inch trees. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's a minimum. 
she may plant more, you know, I'll, we'll give you a plan. I, I hopefully we'll have it to, you know, we'll just turn it into you before the next hearing, hopefully in March, but whenever she has the plan ready. And if there's any issue with it, the commission can ask us to come back. But I think um, it sounds like we understand what you want. We know they have to be native trees. We'll, we'll tell you what species they are and what the sizes of the trees being planted are. And they should add up to four, three inch, four times three, sorry, whatever. Um, can you, can you, can you also address for me though, or can you clarify for me what the issue is with, with composted materials? I know you can't dump compost in the middle of a stream bed or something like that. Um, was, is there a problem with, she's not doing, she's going to have a landscaper cutting her lawn from here on in. And I mean, John Driscoll generally removes leaves and, and grass, but let's say she decides to do her lawn herself and she wants to compost again in the future. What's the rule? I mean, you know, how should she, what should you she can't, think You about? can't fill the wetlands. <laughs> okay. Well, nobody's been filling the wetlands. There's, well, a lot, there's, a lot the, of people do around town. They I know they do. And I, I know, I know of instances of that, but this is a little pile of, it looks like a little mound of grass and leaves along the edge of the lawn, which is up above where the line, the way this topography of her um, yard works is there's a, a big grass area in back of her house slopes down gradually. And then it, it ends basically. And then it goes down into kind of a gully and goes back up to Milton Hill Road. And the edge of Milton Hill Road is where the tree was that was removed. So this is on the other side of the gully. It's on the grass side. But, um, you know, she hasn't done a whole wetlands plan for her property. Um, it, it, I mean, should she, it just, I, you know, I, I just don't know whether there's anything wrong with where that compost So is. if there's the issue with compost, composted and composted material is whether there's presence of invasive species, seeds and such in there or pesticides. So since we don't know, certainly the safest way to do it would be to to remove it um but that's those are really the the issues if you also want to know that the compost is not being carried down the hill when our cloudburst comes and you can right. probably see that you could just go and look at it and see if any material has been lost as if the downslope side of the compost is ragged where being, being washed away something like that yeah. yeah, and yeah. once it goes in the gully and might continue down the hill, it's generally the case all over Milton Hill that the soils are not at all absorbent. They're very tight hills. So where water runs down Milton Hill, it doesn't soak in. It just makes a gully down the hill. So, so it's clay? You said yeah, it's a lot of clay. Right. And I would say yeah. that as long as that compost is not being um, swept into the gully, it's probably not doing any harm at all. Although I don't mean to argue with what Ingrid said about um, fertilizers and invasives. At any rate, that's sort of yeah, my ballpark I mean, I, idea. I guess yeah. if, I, if I might just say one thing, what did I, I, I understand that issue, incidentally. I don't know what kinds of treatment they may have been using on the lawn, and neither does Ellen. Um, but if you start to dig up the compost area and sort of start trying to remove it, I mean, I could see taking really loose, fresh material that's still on the top. Uh, John Driscoll is right now planning to remove that. 
I wanted you to tell me whether it's even wise to dig down because then you're disturbing composted material and you're sort of creating an open surface that water can now wash off of. You're giving us a hypothetical. We, we don't have anything before us. We have no idea what Steve Ives saw or said. It, it may require removal, but we don't know conceptually. And I don't either. I, we, I he, he said it, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's just leave it. And when Steve's back, if you know, maybe he can help us uh, understand what it was he was talking about. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna. I just don't want her to touch anything until I have guidance from you. That's what I'm trying to ask about. My right? my suggestion is we wait for Steve to come back. Is I other than like a hypothetical discussion, I'm not really sure that we've got anything before us. Okay. All right. Fine. That's fine. I, that's helpful. All right. But we do have an RDA. So my suggestion yeah. is uh, I think everybody's comfortable with uh, replacing four three inch trees for a, a diameter now I'm talking about, not circumference, diameter. Yeah. Um, and uh, they can be planted anywhere uh, on your property. They will be native species. And there's a huge selection of different kinds of trees. Uh, and I'm sure Marion can help you, Ms. Dunn, but uh, so can. Uh, Ingrid or Wendy or Hans or Tom Palmer, or everybody but me. I, okay. I'd probably be planting Norway maples. So <laughs> I, I, know, I know that's bad. I get it. Uh, but uh, I'm just saying, you know, we'll, we'll help you if, if you need anything. But uh, what I suggest that we do right now is to have uh, a motion to issue a negative determination contingent upon two things, replacement of uh, by way of dam diameter, four three-inch trees on your property, um, and they have to be native species. Um, and I think that will resolve the, the current issue. And I think if I'm reading the audience correctly, I think everybody will be happy with that. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Is there such a motion to uh, issue a negative determination uh, on cases that we get a sketch plan too, if you could uh, submit that when your plan is done, um, before before the work is actually done. But uh, sure. we're not in a rush, and you can't plant right now anyway. Um, so I I think there's a motion. Is there a second? Second. All right. Okay. There's a second. Um, Hans and uh, Ingrid. Okay, any discussion? Hearing none, we'll do a roll call vote. I'm just looking at the screen here. Hans, how do you vote? Yes. Arthur, how do you vote? Yes. Tom, how do you vote? Yes. Ingrid, how do you vote? Yes. Todd, how do you vote? Yes. Wendy, how do you vote? Yes. And I vote yes. John Kiernan votes yes as well. That's unanimous. Ms. Dunn, thank you very much. Marion, as usual, thank, thank you, you for your courtesy and, and uh, excellence. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Next on the agenda is 56 Winthrop Street. Who do we have for 56? Hi, um, myself, Lorraine Murphy. I'm the um, property owner at 56 Winthrop Street. I submitted the request for determination. Um, I live on the Pine Tree Brook. Um, yes. Looking to... Um, do some work to the exterior of my house, um, roof, siding, windows, front door, back door, um, back deck, which would be the closest point to the brook, although we are removing the decking, making it smaller, not bigger, so we will not begin any closer to the brook. 
um, and then uh, extending our front porch to the full length of the house um, instead of just being a small front porch. Um, so I guess the concern is that we could end up with construction debris in the brook. Yes, indeed. We, we, we just went through that on uh, one of your neighbors. Uh, oh. Not not on Winthrop Street, but uh, Audubon. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, backing up, and uh, the roof material uh, did become a problem. Okay. Uh, there was an issue for us. But now, let me ask you this: It looks like there's a ton of work being done to your house, and I appreciate the fact that you're shrinking the deck, and the farmer's porch is going on the street side, away from the the uh, uh, brook. Uh, but you're putting new siding on, new roof. Uh, it looks like a lot of work. So. Um, no, and, and I see all of the proposals and estimates you've got. It's doing a lot of work. Um, yeah, needs a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> um, and I choked when I saw all the prices. I go, ooh. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I'm not sure why it's not a, um, a notice of intent. And I, th I think the difference is, um, I, I don't think it's, huge. It might be another hundred dollars or something. I'm not sure what the fee difference is, but I'm, I'm just curious as to why it's an RDA and not a notice of intent. Because I, when I called and asked, this is what they told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I followed the instructions. Gotcha. Okay. Good answer. Just a quick question there. Are you doing anything in the driveway? Are you doing anything to impervious surfaces or is it just the structure of the, of the deck, I guess on the, on the wetland side? Yeah, back on the wetland side. And like I said, it is getting smaller. Yeah, the uh, the only uh, question I, it's just on the farmer's porch, which is on the street side, um, away from the brook, which is good. But the one thing that I, I stumbled over, it says install, this is the footings that I'm talking about. Install new footings for deck as specified. I know it says deck, but they're ta you're talking about the farmer's porch in the front. Yes. It says install new footings for deck as specified. If possible, we will install techno post footings, a minimally invasive no digging technology that is code approved and allows for a quick and seamless preparation. Um, I did, I just, I was <laughs> curious if possible, if it's not possible, then what are you, what's the, what are the footings? Cause you've got to, if you're going to put a footing in, you got to dig down and it's get below the frost line and things like that. Um, so I'm not sure what the, I got a little nervous when I saw it if possible, because I don't know how much excavation work you have to do for this farmer's porch. Uh, yeah, I, I can't really answer that. I can ask the contractor why the if possible was there. Um, I was under the impression he was doing it uh, the way you just described, no digging. But he described it to me as something that seems to me like drilling them in. Yeah, so I, Todd, you, you would know this better than yeah, you can all just, of us probably. Yeah, he just put them on a bobcat and they can it spins them in the ground. So you don't have to do any digging, as long as you don't hit rock. Is that what the if possible is about? I, I know you're what, guessing here. I, I, that's, I guess. that's what I think he's doing. Okay, because if he hits rock, it doesn't work. Yeah, if it hits rock, it won't spin in. All right. Yeah, but what, they do work, they do work pretty good. If if the ground's not you know, ledge, it, it'll drive it in. Probably not a ledge in that area. Probably yeah, I, you'd know more than me on that, Tom. I don't know if that area. 
But it's, it's like a big drill bit, John. It just screws into the ground. Um, all right. Well, um, if, if this, I don't know, this really should not be an RDA, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm trying to avoid putting form over substance. But, you know, we're going to have some, you know, significant erosion controls here because uh, you're right next to a perennial stream and you're close to it. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that the deck is smaller and the farmer's porch is on the other side. But I do worry about the roof debris coming off of the new roof and you're putting new siding on the house. That's that's a, a lot of work. Um, what if, John, what if we gave them an some rules on it and they can't start commence work without without a, a meeting with us well we do, that we do that anyway i understand that but you know that way if he meets with steve he knows what the rules are yeah <laughs> true i mean it's other than the deck it doesn't sound like there's a lot of earth moving and site work and that stuff it's more like remodeling other than the pilings for the deck. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff taken alone, like to replace a roof or replace windows, yeah. wouldn't require an NOI or RDA filing. That's kind of, I feel what Hans was thinking. I agree with him. All right, I'm just trying to think back on our Audubon Road. In fact, Hans, didn't you go down and look at that yourself? I, I did, and that was a full home renovation. I mean, they, they gutted the entire, and not only that, but they also tore up the entire lawn. I mean, that was... Did they do an addition on that one? No, it wasn't I an addition. I don't recall, but you know, like I said, the... Well, we're going to have heavy equipment in the back, aren't we? And and around the side. Well, if they're going to if they're going to use the bobcat to screw in those pylons, that that'll be the end of it for the but, for that. But that can be conditioned. That's in the front of the house. Yeah, correct. Oh, it is, but it's still within a hundred feet. Never mind the two hundred feet, Wendy. It's within a hundred feet. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not trying to throw up roadblocks here. But I know that. We've got some significant uh, conditions, um, and we have to say it's a it's a negative RDA conditioned upon a whole list of list of them. Wouldn't it be a positive RDA with conditions? No, the positive RDA means you got to you got to file. You have to file an NOI. Oh, right. That's it. Should have been done in the first place, but I'm sensitive to the fact, Maureen, that you were told to file an RDA. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I just so, wonder what additional information would be required under an NOI that hasn't already been provided, aside from an erosion control plan. Well, that's my biggest fear, that we don't have another Audubon. That, that's, why I, that's why I mentioned it. But but that's not to say that uh, we can't do this. We can, we could do a negative RDA, but there'll be a, a whole string of conditions. Conditions, uh, right? And Laureen, you probably don't even know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> one, of the, one of the houses that was renovated on on Audubon, and it, it took a little while for it to be renovated. It was, I, I believe it was completely gutted. I, I think it was right on the 
the corner, the turn. Yeah, the um, gray tape, they added a front porch. Yes. I yeah. think so, yeah. Um, they, but they, they changed the, the staircase in the, the back. In the back. Yeah. And, there was, they moved the debris the was going everywhere. Right. Okay. One of the big things you want to talk with these contractors is they let stuff blow all over the place. They don't pick up the mess. And that gets you in trouble. You've got you've got to make sure you're watching them. And I guess I'll ask you this, are you going to be in the home while this renovation is going on? Are you somebody going to be there on a regular basis? Yeah, I am probably not going to be in the home because we have two <laughs> dogs that are, will go crazy, but my husband will be. <laughs> I do not want to see this mess, but some and I <laughs> it all the time um, because I'll want to know what it's going to look like. But um, but he's my husband will be staying here. It's they tell me it will take a total of two weeks. So, so John, I think if we thing. if we it's controlling the mess. Sorry, Hans is right. As long as you can, someone makes it very clear and someone watches it every day that any trash that blows. Stuff gets picked up and cleaned up. Right. And apropos of your comment, Todd, about uh, having a meeting, we, we're actually going to change our, we've been talking about changing our forms because that pre-construction meeting uh, is, is, is just got to be implemented in every single case. Everyone, John. Everyone. Oh, yeah. By the Absolutely. form has to change. <laughs> Yeah, we get it. So, so all right. So the RDA, we've got erosion controls um, at at the brook, uh, and it's not it's not just. I, I guess we're going to need um, I don't know silt fence, something that is going to stop the shingles from blowing into the brook. And I don't know if we need like uh, on the scaffolding or whatever you have on the side of the house when you're tearing up the off the shingles. We've got to have some mechanism for keeping those shingles out of the brook. And is that the silt fence? That's not going to be really high enough, John. I mean, they got there's got to in the conditions. It's got to be as the shingles come off, they go in a dumpster. They don't go in the yard. They go in the dumpster. That's got to be a condition right there. Ended. Because otherwise. They'll just throw them on the ground, not again. <laughs> they don't care. They just want to get the job done fast, but that becomes another problem. As they come down, they've got to go in the dumpster. <laughs> okay. Erosion controls at the brook. Shingles uh, directly into the dumpster, not on the ground. Um, and Laureen, you know, y'all get this in writing, um, but we'd like, we'd like to have a pre-construction meeting with your contractor. Okay, uh, and uh, they'll, he'll have to meet with our agent Steve Ivis, who will return first week in March, um, so he's not too far away. Um, just slowing down because I want to take notes. Um, so that the contractor has to know of all these issues, and I don't really know what kind of equipment will be required to. If they're adding siding to your house, are they taking off any siding? And taking think... off wood shingles and replacing it with siding. What kind of siding, do you know? Yes, you do. <laughs> um, hang on, I'll find it. Roof, demo deck. 
Avi tribute new construction windows. Yeah. It's Dave Hardy siding. Um, uh, so it's Heidi Plank. Yes. Okay. That, John, Heidi Plank will not blow around. It's a cement board. It's heavy. Yeah, I've got some. Yeah, and it doesn't blow around. <laughs> it's really mostly during the demo or removal work where you have yeah. to keep control of that. Um, Same with the shingles. As they come off, they got to go in the dumpster so they don't blow around. And at the construction meeting, John, homeowners should be there as well as the contractor. And so daily cleaning are the, the kind of things that we'd be looking for. So, you know, cleaning up any miscellaneous debris, sweeping, um, and just making sure that, that you don't see things piling up. Um, and then okay, in terms so of the exposure to the brook itself, um, it looks, I'm looking at the plan, it doesn't look like the back of your property faces directly on the brook. It looks like it, it kind of kitty corners on it. Um, yeah, that back right corner. And is is there a fence along there, or is, what's the what's the separation between? There is a fence. There's a fence. Um, any landscaping or anything that's that's through there? Anything that'll help to prevent stuff from going over there? Um, no, there's some not small, really. No, okay. not. There's some smaller trees over there, but I don't think it's anything that will um, provide a barrier. All right, yeah, so you may want to consider just a small line of silt fence just to keep anything that does blow. All right, we, we don't anticipate, I mean, we don't need any uh, straw waddles or um, we're not worried about the, the soil eroding into the brook. Right. We are worried about the, the shingles and debris coming on. Yeah. But a silt fence would do both. But is oh, it no, I think the silt fence is a good idea, John. Is, is it high enough? Well, it's it's high it's high enough. A construction fence is only going to be a couple feet higher. That's not going to stop something from blowing, but the silt fence will keep anything if there's a rain and a little bit of debris wants to wash or anything. Okay. It, Lorraine, a question, Mr. Chairman. Um, the nature of the fence along the brook, its height, what it's made out of, is it chain link, wood? No, it's um, it's metal, black metal. It's not chain link. Um, it does, it's not solid. It has um, probably three or four inches uh, between each slot. Okay, so it's wrought iron type? Yes. Okay, about how high, please? Um, Probably it's at least five feet. It's my height. Thank you. <laughs> gotcha. Good measurement. <laughs> All right. Well, the silt fence has to be buried. Todd, this really goes to you. The silt fence is, is buried to prevent any erosion. By Correct. The, um, what about you know putting something on, on this fence? You mean like an orange net that they use yeah. for, for construction? Yeah. You, you can do that, like I said, the squares in that though are not that small for holding anything that, it, just say you got rain and they pull the shingles off, there's paint chips or whatever on the ground, the silk fence holds it. All right, so we'll, we'll go with the silk fence, okay. 
I see. You, you, you okay that with Arthur? Because you were asking about the fence. Yes, I'm fine with it, and I agree with Todd on the other fence. The the so, diameter of the holes, windborne material is going to go through that. I mean, ideally, John, to put that fence right against the wrought iron fence would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can bury it. But I don't know what the fence is in because well, is that an armored bank there, uh, Laureen? Is that like a concrete uh, side to the brook? No, it's dirt. It's dirt. Okay. Hmm. All right. So you you could if it's dirt, then you could put the silt fence right up next to the right uh, right up next yep. to the fence. And that would just need to be in that back corner of the fence that is um, facing the brook directly. Correct. Uh, I would wrap the backyard, John. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that. I'd, I'd wrap the backyard with that. I'm, I'm looking at the plan, Laureen, and um, the problem, I know what you just said, but the problem is that's only like 15 feet. Yes. And and if, if the wind picks up the shingles, they're going to go to the right of that and to the left of that. So you, you need to wrap your, your backyard, basically. Okay. This is not a huge cost item. The okay. it's, not, it's not a big thing to do. It's really not. When you're saying wrap, wrap the backyard, you're not just looking at the rear perimeter. You're looking at the rear perimeter, the angle along Pine Tree Brook, and up, what, just to the where the new deck is going to go? Yes. Inside? You are correct. It, to the deck, yes. Okay. The back deck. So that Laureen understands what we mean by backyard. And is this something that a, a contractor would normally put for us? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. yes, definitely. It's easy. Okay. It is Maureen, I put it up all, Maureen, I put it up myself all the time. <laughs> it's not a big thing. It's not. You can hire them, you know, <laughs> if you want. No, I don't want to do any more. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really not a big thing to deal with. Okay. And, and the fence, the roll of fence, I think is like a hundred dollars. Okay. A, a, a roll is a hundred feet. And that's probably enough because yeah. my whole backyard is not much more than a hundred feet. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. That silt fence, if anything washes into that brook, costs you a lot more money to clean than deal with that fence. Okay. Correct. Okay, and the other thing, uh, Laurie, so that you know this, uh, you can't store equipment. We were talking about a, a bobcat uh, trying to spin those, um, uh, whatever they're, they're like sauna tubes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, to support your front porch, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't store, or the contractor cannot store the that heavy equipment, the bobcat, on your property uh, overnight, and they can't refuel overnight. They can use it. But okay. they have to get it out of there, um, you know, at night. Okay. Okay. But that's that's very standard. Um, all the contractors are accustomed to that. And there's, there's nothing new or special about that. But that's our, one of our standard conditions. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else, folks? Nope. Not here. All right. So with those conditions... Oh, hold on, John. You have yeah. it set up that there'll be a pre-construction meeting, right? Oh, sure. Pre-construction oh. meeting both with Steve Ivis and the homeowner and the contractor. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. Yep, I've got, definitely got that. All right, now, did you follow all that, Maureen? Yes, I took notes. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> um, and just so you, you will, you'll get it in writing as well. Okay. Um, so with those conditions, is there a motion to issue a negative determination for the RDA but it's it's conditioned upon uh, those 
special conditions that we just listed. I move that we issue a negative RDA with conditions. All right, second. Aye. Any discussion? You know what, let me, let me stop us right there because I, I didn't even ask if there are any abutters mm. or members of the public that have a comment or a question. Hearing none, we'll move forward. There's no discussion among uh, uh, commissioners, so we'll move to a roll call vote. And I'm just looking across the top. Hans, how do you vote? I can't yes. hear you. Yes, okay, thank you. Arthur, how do you vote? Yes. Todd, how do you vote? Yes. Ingrid, how do you vote? Yes. Tom, how do you vote? Yes. Wendy, how do you vote? Yes. And John Cannon, I vote yes as well. That's unanimous. Um, so if you stay in touch with Kathy Bowen, Laureen, mm -hmm. uh, she will have this. It probably won't get signed for a few days. She'll probably finish it uh, pretty quickly. Um, but uh, it may take a, a few days to get us all into town hall to, or the DPW yard rather to sign it. Okay. okay. When when are your do you have any construction plans right now? Um, no, we it was supposed to be in the fall, but we hit this little roadblock. So, um, no, just waiting on this process, and then they'll be ready to start. Okay. All right. Well, you should be good to go. And, and Kathy Bowen is your, um, you know your your lifeline, your communicator. There, she'll she'll keep you on the straight and narrow. Okay. Awesome. Has been great so far. So thank okay. you. Good. Thanks, Lorraine, very much. All right, next on the agenda we have, and I think this is our last for the night. Um, it is a request for certificate of compliance, 58 Churches Lane. Do we have a presenter? I think so. And actually I talked. Sir, if you're trying to speak, you might be muted. How is that? This is, can you hear me? Tom, we yes. can. Oh yeah, this is Thomas Doherty, uh, 58 Churchill's Lane. Ah, great, thanks. Tom. Hi, uh, thank you for uh, uh, having me attend. So this is a request for a certificate of compliance, 58 Churchill's Lane, with respect to a, a bridge that's on a portion of a, a private right of way uh, that I own. Um, there was a notice of intent that was filed back in April of 1995 and uh, in connection with that, Units Engineering provided a plan of land and a, a bridge diagram. And then uh, uh, I think it was uh, James Green, town civil engineer, inspected. And then there was a public hearing in uh, May, all of this in 1995. And uh, I'm not uh, sure why, but uh, there was not then uh, at the next and uh, succeeding step to uh, uh, seek a certificate of compliance. And I only became aware of that um, in 2022, mm -hmm. uh, nearly, uh, 20 years later. So uh, then what I did was uh, uh, get in touch with uh, Hoyt Land Surveying. Units is not in business anymore. And uh, asked them then to provide uh, existing conditions plan and an as-built diagram with some photographs. And then they also provided a letter of recommendation for approval of the certificate of compliance, which I filed and a form uh, 8A as well, and those photos. 
it all has to do with a uh, a gutter drain. And if um, I'm sure many of you will know uh, Milton Hill, but you'll know that the uh, on Churchill's Lane, you go back to 1900 or so, the Churchill's family, Churchill family owned it in, in large part. 58 Churchill's Lane was the carriage house and uh, the uh, caretaker's uh, house for uh, both 40, what's now 40 Churchill's Lane above that, which is a big brick brick building, and also uh, my other my my home, 247 Adams Street, which is, was Helen Churchill's uh, house. That was all part of their one family property. And then to, uh, the short story is that in uh, 19, the 1930s, the big brick house on 40 Churchill's Lane was built. It has a south-facing about two and a half story up gutter that then um, uh, was, uh, there's a, a gutter drain that goes <clears throat> down from that gutter and then goes uh, under the uh, ground and to uh, the part of the, uh, the right-of-way area there where uh, then that drain, that gutter drain, when it rains, will uh, pass water onto that area. And lastly, at one point, the um, 40 and 58 Churchill's Lane were owned together by Churchill's, but uh, subsequently the, the ownership was divided. Um, Jerry Williams, if you remember the talk show host, he owned both, but then his wife uh, became the owner of 58, and then she decided to sell it. And I, and I bought that in 1994, 95. It is, it abuts my land at 247 Anna Street. And uh, that's the reason for the, um, my, my use of the, the right of way. And the uh, point of the bridge is that when it rains, after it rains, it's muddy. The water dissipates, there isn't any standing water. It's the fact that the, if you're going across that, you know, whether it, you're, you know, in that case it was, you know, high school children's going to school and back or myself or any, or even uh, I have a little, uh, uh, little truck, a Toyota pickup truck. You take that across and it would just create mud. So they, that's the purpose of it. And um, then you'll see in the uh, photographs, uh, the, the, the bridge there, it's, and, and the diagram will show it's 10 feet by about 50 feet. And uh, there's one of the photographs that shows looking at it from uphill, looking downhill. Uh, it, it, you know, you'll see the tree and you'll see the, the bridge there. Um, it's really on the left side of that tree where the, um, the pipe, and you can see the, uh, the uh, point surveying, which it says, uh, that's where it talks about a six-inch PVC pipe. That's that's that drain, uh, and it goes there. So that's the that's the background and foreground of the uh, request for the certificate of compliance. Thank you, Tom. Um, I don't know if this is. Good news to a bad news, but uh, I pulled the order conditions yeah. uh, that was issued back in uh, May of 1995. Yeah. 
and saw that I signed it. So <laughs> I remember <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Little scary. <laughs> and uh, the only special condition was it uh, additional condition. It says as follows: the following items are permitted by this order of conditions: reconstruction of the gravel roadway, construction of bridge across the spring area, replacement of the private sewer line, and grading and landscaping of the former orchard area and other land uphill of the gravel roadway. Yeah. Um, and that was signed uh, by Don Neal, Craig McNaught, Eileen Anderson, and John Kiernan um, in the eighth day of May, 1995. So uh, uh, we looked, I, I looked at the map, the as-built um, that was submitted by Ms. Um, White, and uh, everything looks to be in order. I do have a question about the spring that the bridge goes over. Um, is it is it a spring? Is there is the water there under the bridge? Yeah. Um, no. So it, what it is is the, the if you looked if you, and it was uh, the um, the units uh, uh, plan said uh, essentially an area where there's there's water and so they it, it isn't a spring. What it is is it's the drain <laughs> and the water when the uh, rain comes through the drain, it, it, that drain ends right there and the water from the gutter comes through. And if you look at the units, um, it's interesting. They, were, they, they had a note that said um, they were unable to find the uh, outlet of the drain. So you put the two and two together, they, they did identify that there was water where the bridge would be, but they hadn't identified where the outlet of the, of the, of the drain is. And the outlet of the drain is, uh, as shown in the Voigt survey, uh, where, the, uh, where the bridge is. And, All right. Um, and then as to the, there is a reference to gravel, but you'll see that we used um, the, uh, cobblestone, which is also allows the water to go through and is less um, able, less likely to get shifted around rather than uh, as, as the gravel would be. This is this is a little more stable, but still allows the water. And, and, you know, I don't mean the water having to do with the with the uh, the pipe. I mean, rainwater, you know, any rainwater. Uh, if you look at the photographs of the uh, the, the approach to the bridge. All right, understood. And uh, I guess my last comment is that uh, in the letter from Peter Hoyt, um, he does make the recommendation that we approve this, but what's critical for us um, and appropriate for the record, he says, and I'm quoting for, for the public's benefit, the as-built conditions as shown on the final as-built plan are in substantial compliance with the plan submitted with the notice of intent filed April 24th, 1995. Um, and that's what's what's critical for us, so that the as-built does reflect substantial compliance with the uh, uh, plans upon which the original order of conditions was approved. Are there any questions from commission members? Tom, any? Um, no, I'm, I'm good. All right. Arthur, uh, does anybody feel a need to see this? I think the pictures are are uh, pretty clear, um, I agree. and the uh, attestation from 
Mr. Hoyt uh, is compliance with our rules and regulations. Uh, so I entertain a motion. Uh, I should stop and ask, are there any abutters or members of the public that have a comment or a question? Hearing none, uh, is there a motion to approve the issuance of a certificate of compliance? So moved. Thanks, Ingrid. A second, Wendy? Second. Uh, let me just write it down. All right, any discussion? Hearing none, I'm just going across. Uh, Hans, how do you vote? Did you, I didn't, yes, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Arthur? Yes. You, Todd? Yes. Ingrid? Yes. Tom? Yes. Wendy? And uh, John Kiernan, I vote yes as well. That's unanimous, uh, Mr. Doherty. Thank you very much for your patience and courtesy. Thank you all. All right, all right. Thanks. Yeah. All right, and I think that concludes our business uh, tonight. Uh, additional business. There is one piece of additional business that I think I should address. Take me 30 seconds. And that is, I think it's in our packet, uh, but actually I should state it because for the public's benefit, uh, there was an appeal of our decision uh, at 582 Blue Hill Avenue, and it went to the DEP. That's the project, uh, the 40B project at 582. Yep. Um, and that's before the DEP, and we sent, uh, we received rather formal notice that on Thursday, March 2nd, 2023, from 11 a.m. to 12 noon, there will be a, a site walk by the Massachusetts DEP um, officials. Um, and the, the public is invited, and uh, we are as, as well. I just want you all to note that if you have any interest in attending. Um, that's the place, the date, and the time. And run that by us again, John, please. What say again? Uh, want to run that? Yeah. Date. The, the date is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023, from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. Okay, 5 a.m. At 582 Blue Hill Avenue. Got it on my calendar. Thanks. Perfect. All right. Um, and what else? That's it. Anybody else with additional business? Oh, uh, I, I, I did mention this at the very beginning, but I'll say it again. Uh, we have a special meeting, uh, public meeting announced. Um, of the Milton Conservation Commission tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon at 5 p.m., also via Zoom. The Zoom link is on the town website. And I think all the commission members have received a, a copy of the connection. Um, and Sean, I, I think you did as well, I hope, if you're still with us. Um, I am and I do have access, thank you. Oh, perfect, all right. And, and that uh, I don't think will be very long. I, as I understand it, uh, Sean will need about, uh, Sean O'Rourke from the school building committee uh, will need about 30 minutes, um, but there may be members of the public that wish to ask questions or make comments. So it could it certainly could be longer than that, but I don't expect a, a hugely lengthy process. Anybody else with additional business? Hearing none, is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Second? Second. Perfect. All in favor, say aye. 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 All right. Aye. Good night, all. Thanks. Good Thanks very much. All right. Aye. Thanks, Sean. Thank